it comes back to the song. If you're not a strong lyricist, if you're not great at, at production or, you know, your melodies are, you're not very good at writing hooks, then, you know, you could obviously learn that yourself and evolve your skills, but actually probably the easiest way is to go and work with a lyricist. Surround yourself with people that complement your own skills. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm excited to be here today with John Skinner. John is the CEO slash founder of Music Gateway. Been involved in the music business for nearly 30 years now, which is, I'm 30 years old right now. So basically, like the day I was born, John has been here. He's been in the music industry. And Music Gateway offers a vast range of services and networking, including A&R, music promotion from Spotify, TikTok promotion, music PR, as well as artist development, management, distribution, publishing. So basically like, you know, when you look at music business, Music Gateway helps helps cover that. So specifically today, as you've been in the music industry for nearly 30 years and you have so much you know experience and really multiple different areas and facets of what it takes to have a, a successful music career, I'm both interested in you know, your perspective, kind of seeing over the past 30 years, how things have evolved and how much it's changed. And also, I'd love to connect and just hear your perspective on the future of the music business and the trends that you see happening right now and how anyone who's listening to this right now who's, you know, primarily independent artists can be able to, you know, sort of like a surfer in the ocean, like look at the waves that are coming up right now and start to swim along with them so you can kind of catch that wave and, and get that momentum. So, John, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. No, thank you, Michael, for inviting us on. And yeah, it's going to be, yeah, I'm looking forward to sharing some insights and happy to answer any questions. So, so yeah, so what's the bat? I mean, obviously, I think the, whilst the industries, you know, changed and evolved over the years, you know, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, it, it's changed a lot since, since I started to get involved. I think the core principles of, how you're successful within the industry hasn't really changed that much. And I'll kind of explain. You know, so, so how you earn money and, and, you know, be a business and have it as a, you know, a living, if you like, a full-time job, then, which is obviously a dream for a lot of people. They want to, it's their passion, right? So, and, you know, only a small percentage of people and artists get there because it's tough. It's, it's such a competitive landscape. And whilst there's so much music available to us now in, in so many different formats, you know, music is everywhere. I think that's one of the key differences between now and when we were kind of restricted more with products, whether that was vinyl CDs before that, it was kind of cassettes and because we have so much instant access, it's a lot harder. It's potentially a lot harder to get your head above the parapet, to get noticed, to grow, grow a kind of a fan base, you know, alongside 
there's so much music out there. How do you get heard? And so, but the, coming back to the core principles of actually what makes someone successful as an independent artist really always comes back to the songs and song. So if you get the song right, actually you're 90% of the way there. And when I say getting it right, everything's relative to what, what's your barometer of success. You know, not everyone wants to be a commercial success or a mainstream success. Someone might just want to be recognized in their niche. And actually that niche is actually quite a small subset of people in a particular genre. So everyone's, your success is, is possibly totally different to my success, totally different to someone else. But this just kind of for the, for the purpose of this, you know, if we're talking about mainstream success, I think traditionally you're looking at the strip, the song, the, the melody, the hook in the melody, the lyrics, you know, the chord structures, the, the story, you know, the, the, how, how does it, does it, does it naturally resonate with people and where their ears prick up and they, you know, they just love it. Everything else that kind of is around that is, you know, you might resonate with someone because of the way you look, the way you kind of conduct yourself, the, the, what you believe in as an artist, but then you kind of get into the nuances of like, you know, is it well produced? Is it distributed well? Is it promoted well? You know, it, it's kind of, do you know what I mean? There, there's all these kind of side factors, but the principle is if the song's really good, then you've got a really good chance of getting some traction. It really, really starts with a song for me. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. As you're talking about that, what comes to mind is there's an analogy that, that we use all the time when, when it comes to this principle of, you know, building, building a fan base or having a successful music career. And that's, that it's sort of like building a fire. And in this fire analogy, the logs are like your songs. And so it sounds like what you're saying is that, look, like if you don't have the, the fuel, if you don't have the fire, the logs, right? It's like wet grass. Like it doesn't matter how much wet grass you throw on there or how much promotion you have. And in, in, in that analogy, the promotion is sort of like flames. It's like kind of like having a flamethrower. And, you know, you kind of need both, right? Like if you have the logs, but you don't have any way to generate any sort of traffic or any sort of flames and the logs just sit there. But it sounds like what you're saying that, the, that one of the most important pieces is really like having good initial foundation to the fire and maybe like dousing it in lighter fluid. Cause if you can do that, then it's a heck of a lot easier to build that. Yeah. But look, you know, I think you mentioned the word foundation. I think, you know, one of the key principles really of why I came up with, with music gateway as a concept was because, you know, I've always been a big collaborator. I used to produce and, and, and write music myself. I haven't done that for a long time, but when I started out, I you know, I was doing a lot of kind of dance music, but it was all kind of song based. And I used to work with singer songwriters because I'm not, you know, I'm not a lyricist. I'm not very, you know, that's not my forte and I'm certainly not a singer either. So I used to, I was more kind of technically minded producing tracks, etc., and writing sort of, you know, music from a sort of musical perspective and production perspective. So anyway, I always used to lean on, you know, a singer songwriter to work with, to perform on the song. And I used to just love working with, you know, soulful, and I ended up working with a lot of American singers and that kind of really was later on, gave me the concept for music gateway, because 
you know, at some point I was, uh, you know, I was flying people over from the States. We were doing studio sessions. They go back, you know, it was expensive. And this is kind of pre, pre-internet. And even when the internet kind of evolved in, in the 2000s, you couldn't do any kind of real-time recording. It was all very like, you know, loads of latency. So it just wasn't really, you know, we didn't have the tech back then, but I did want to build a platform that was, which initially enabled people to streamline the way they made connections and rather than working locally, make connections internationally. That was my real sort of main mission to build Music Gateway, hence the name as well, kind of a gateway to make, make more connections. And it was also about professional companies, record labels, publishers, being able to sort of find talent through a kind of a mock base and a pool, a pool of talent online. So that was the kind of principles really, but coming back to the, the fire analogy and the logs that you mentioned, you know, it comes back to the song. If you're not a strong lyricist, if you're not great at, at production or, you know, your melodies are, you're not very good at writing hooks, then, you know, you could obviously learn that yourself and evolve your skills, but actually probably the easiest way is to go and work with a lyricist, surround yourself with people that complement your own skills and to be kind of a bit boring about it, you know, in, in, in business land, you'd kind of talk about a kind of SWOT analysis, you know, i.e. what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses? And then actually play to your strengths and bring in people and collaborate with people that really, you know, elevate you and elevate that song to another level. You know, it's much better to share some publishing and some writing splits with someone if the, the song is going to be, end up being amazing because they just are bringing all of their skills and which is obviously the principle really of what a band is about, but you can do that as an artist. You know, and, and as we know, mainstream music, some of the greatest artists that walk this planet don't write their own songs. And, uh, you know, the record labels as, and the publishers act as that go-between to connect really good songwriters with the artists. And the artists are the ones, obviously, that perform and sell the records. So, so yeah, so that's, that's the, the biggest tip I can give anyone as an artist is work with really good people, skillful people that, that elevate you from a kind of a song perspective. And by the way, that obviously could be a, a really good producer that can obviously elevate the, you know, the key, be the key difference because from an artist, if you're a singer songwriter, you might already be killing it as far as choruses, hooks, lyrics, and melodies, and actually it's the production that's letting you down, you know? Mm -hmm. So true. Yeah, there's there's so much good stuff in there. And what comes to mind as you talk about how important the production quality is as well, is my band, when we first started out about 10 years ago, we recorded our first album and we did it kind of locally with a producer who's, who's kind of a friend, but didn't really have like a, a lot of experience working with, with bigger artists. And you know, at the time we were like, this is amazing. This is so good. Cause it was the best thing we'd ever, we had like done it on GarageBand beforehand. But in retrospect, you know, it, the quality is so much worse that we ended up taking it offline. And this next album that we recorded, it was like a few months later and the difference was night and day. And I'll never forget hearing, overhearing my parents listening to that album for the first time, the, the new one. 
And they didn't realize I was listening, but I heard my dad whisper to my mom and he's like, this actually sounds good. And it wasn't that yeah, we got like so much more talented. It was just the, you yeah. know, we worked with the right, the right team, the right producer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, released a lot of music in the nineties and some of the, the very original first tracks that I released when I listen back, I mean, which I don't do very often, it, it's shocking. It's shockingly bad. And, and to the point where I was like, did I really think that I was okay to put out as a record? I guess it was a little bit of its day, obviously. But, you know, no, you're absolutely right. And and I guess most people are, you know, good at self-critiquing. And, and, and a lot of us are perfectionists when it comes to music. But no, you're right. When you're young, especially when you're young, you know, there's a, there's a naivety about it. You know, you're so excited. You think it's the best thing since sliced bread. And the reality, obviously, is normally sort of, you know, further from that truth. So, so uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting journey when you look back and, and you go like, you really, you know, so, but yeah, no, I absolutely resonate with that. Yeah. You know, another thing that you mentioned that, that I think is so, so smart is around building a network or building a team where you don't have to be the best at everything, but if you can surround yourself with people who compliment you and compliment your weak points and you can provide the strengths, then the, I've been thinking about this analogy a lot of, of the, like a brain and neurons and how these neurons work and they interconnect with other neurons. And if you think about like how powerful is a, a neuron by itself? Well, it's not that powerful. <laughs> like it just doesn't, or it can't really do a lot. But when you combine that neuron, you interconnect it with a bunch of other ones. Now you create this network and you can create this like impulse. And mm. it seems like there's, there's the, what you were speaking about, about finding and surrounding yourself with the right people. It's sort of like creating a brain, like a music brain, which is also ties in with what you're doing with Music Gateway, it sounds like, because it's really this like music brain of all these neurons that are interconnected. And there's so, so much so much power in being able to connect with people that complement things that might not be your, your strong points. So maybe you could just talk really briefly for anyone who maybe they haven't, haven't heard of Music Gateway before or it's new to them. Maybe you could share just like in a nutshell exactly what it is and, and how it works. Yeah, sure. As I said, we, you know, we started out as a, a as a platform really to, to help people make connections internationally and sort of grow their career. That was the, the original concept. We are a sync licensing agency, which means that we represent artists music and we have a team that pitch music to people, people working in media. So music supervisors, but we work directly with filmmakers. We work with Netflix. Sony Pictures, Universal, et cetera. So, you know, you know, the BBC in the UK. So we are trying to secure placements within media as an agency. And uh, we built tools within the platform for our artists to be able to upload their music, add all the data that we need. And then we kind of do the rest. We try and secure music. And we built up over the last eight years, you know, a wealth of contacts and relationships within that area and actually quite heavily in America, even though we're based in the UK, you know, obviously Hollywood being the sort of the main life and the, the, you know, the main, the soul and the heart of the film industry. So that kind of progressed into, we now work directly with Spotify so you can distribute your songs through us. We're a distributor. So very similar to exactly what Chinkor CD Baby DistroKid can do. You can do that through us. And we don't charge a fixed fee for that, like some of those services. We have a kind of a slightly different model. So we do have a, 
a free account that people can sign up to. And then based on their kind of the volume of what you're doing, we have a kind of a premium pro account, and then a kind of a pro unlimited account, which is obviously more suited towards a sort of record label, et cetera, someone with larger volumes. Yeah. So you mentioned about music promotion. So we have a roster of people that we work with and essentially we do campaigns on people's releases and every, everyone's campaign is tailored to what they want to achieve, but predominantly it's across radio promotion, streaming promotion, Spotify promotion. So we have a network narrators that we work with. So that's all about getting organic playlists, playlistings and, and, and views and streams. We do digital marketing, which is all about social media, TikTok, Instagram. And then finally we have kind of press and PR. So that's mainly online getting reviews and blogs, magazines, etc. So, but again, it's all tailored to, we kind of act as a, you know, we advise we advise people, you know, we have that experience. There's a lot of artists that come to us that have never promoted a song before. And the last thing we want them to do is waste their money. We have kind of, you know, we wouldn't suggest, for example, that if a song wasn't right for radio and they weren't going to get a lot of traction, then we just wouldn't recommend that they, that, you know, that they promote it there if it wasn't, you know, if it was too much in a niche or whatever it might be. So it's, it's, it's all driven by what the music is, what's the, what's the genre, where's the artist at, are they kind of like, is it, you know, are they sort of fresh start in their career or are they established? Have they got a track record? Have they got already got, kind of got some traction in the market? So as I said, very, very kind of tailored and stuff. And then we've got, you know, we've got a suite of tools like you mentioned, we, we've got free mastering, AI, AI mastering tools. We've got kind of artist landing pages. So imagine a little bit like Reverb Nation, artists can build their own kind of landing pages and stuff and connecting all of their social media and all their sort of their content. So yes, and, and there's an, and we also do publishing collection as well. So we basically do legwork and heavy lifting to claim people's royalties for their broad broadcast. Um, so overall, the overall riding principle is that we help people further their career. We try and collect or we collect money on their behalf and try and generate revenue things through things like sync licensing and obviously the sales on the distribution side. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast. Or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level of modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're going to have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. 
And that's where we're going to bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top-level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're going to have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you want to take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Very cool. Oh man, as you were describing that, I was just I was thinking we should definitely connect on ways that we can collaborate and sync up our uh, street team software with what you're doing, in particular with the licensing and with the distribution. So street team is funnel builder and a CRM. So basically they can send out SMS campaigns, email campaigns, automated sequences, and keep track of their contacts. It's broken down by lifetime value so they can see who are their most, their top fans, and they can create lookalike audiences that are based on their top, their top fans. And one thing that I would love to be able to connect on is potentially building an integration on the distribution side and also on the licensing side, which I personally have very little experience with music licensing, but I know of how, how big of an opportunity it is for, for mm. artists. So sounds like there's a really cool potential sync, sync there. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, j- j- something oh. just, I was good, just going to mention a, a bit of advice I'd give any kind of artist really, and, and, and the major record labels do this a lot, is that doing a cover version of an existing song can be a really great way to one find a find a you know a gem that hasn't been covered recently. So I'm not talking about a modern, really something really obvious. Actually, trying to find something that's maybe not been covered before or hasn't been covered for a very long time, or it might be something that was not maybe a huge hit, but something from the fifties, something from the sixties. You obviously don't need to get additional. You don't need to get permission. To do a cover version, you just have to make sure that you've got an appropriate license, which is easy to get and stuff for the States, but you're covered by, so in the UK and Europe, you've got blanket licenses, and then you can get a kind of a separate license, which costs like 15, 20 bucks to do a cover version. And then it's a mechanical license, but like, for example, Valerie by Amy Winehouse. Now, if you ask a lot of people, especially of a younger age, they would just assume that she wrote that song. If you ask a hundred people about, you know, Whitney Houston's biggest hit, they probably wouldn't know that I Will Always Love You was written by Dolly Parton. They wouldn't know that because they're not, you know, why would they, why would they know? You know, it's sometimes it's not necessarily sort of common knowledge. So Mm -hmm. it's a great kind of, especially if you're writing an album and you want to throw in there a couple of good, great songs from from, from some artists back in the day, put your own take on it, put modern production around it, whatever you want to kind of do, but it's just a, it's, it's just kind of a, you know, it's just a good tactic if you like to get mm. a really good song. And then sometimes as long as you don't murder it, there might be some really good appreciation for people who do recognize it and go, oh, that's quite cool. You know, so again, sorry, I, do, I thought I'd mention that sort of like a, a sort of tip 
I would definitely give any kind of eyes. There's nothing wrong with doing a cover version. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think cover cover versions can be really powerful, both in terms of I love that idea of like of choosing a song that's maybe more obscure or one that is sort of ready for like a renaissance, you know, as a way yeah. to make it make your own. And and I've also seen seen artists. I mean, we did this for ourselves, or we did cover songs of, of songs right as they were as they were trending. And of course, it's a competitive landscape nowadays. Like you need to be able to do something that kind of cuts through. But one of our artists, he does these really cool Carnatic remixes of, of pop songs where he'll like sing like the pop song and then he'll go into this Carnatic style, Indian style kind of improv on top of it. And, you know, there's something about that, the trending kind of movement of like everyone can recognize it. And then it's kind of like, and then you catch them and, you, and it's like a hook or like it, it goes that twist. It's kind of an interesting thing too. But a hundred percent agree. I think the cover songs. Yeah. I mean, if, if you think about hip hop, and why hip hop is was has always been so sort of popular since it kind of evolved in the sort of you know the early eighties was because they were sampling funk and soul records, you know, and 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 kind of really cool drum breaks from James Brown and the Amen Brothers and you know etc. So you know there was an instant likability to hip hop because people. A lot of people liked old school and it was like pulling out all of these rare groove samples and, you know, just great, great tracks that no one had kind of, or very rarely heard of them, but they were, you know, looping these tracks and putting these sort of drum breaks on them. And then obviously spitting the lyrics and stuff, but only musically, there was something quite easy to resonate with straight away. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So if you think yeah. about the principle, you know, that's at the end of the day, it's, it's, you're not covering a song, but you're taking a hook or you're taking yeah. a, you know, and, and you're kind of looping it. And, and that's where I think hip hop is, you know, it's, it's obviously done so well. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. You know, as, as you described that one thing that pops up is around like meme culture and what makes, you know, DNA itself sort of replicate. So memes, when most people think of memes, think of like the gif for the picture that gets spread around. And that is like the comment that what we think about is memes. But the idea of meme came from, how was the book called? The Selfish Gene. I haven't read the whole thing because it's really thick, but it was really all genes and about genetics and, and how as humans biologically we're kind of like programmed and one of the, and how we replicate and a lot of the things we do subconsciously that don't make sense logically, we actually do it because our genes are trying to like to survive. And he created the, the idea of meme as like a cultural phenomena through which, you know, a transmitted icon or something like can be replicated. And usually there's some form of like using the initial DNA, but then adding new muta a mutation to it. So it mutates in a way that allows it to spread. Yeah. And it's a similar to a bit how when you're talking about using, doing a cover song or taking bits and pieces, it's like, it's almost like two people coming together and having a baby, like the baby is something new, but mm. it has the the genes, it has the DNA of these other things. Yeah. And that's what, can, you know, it's yeah. kind of similar with music. I was like, you have the genes, you have this DNA that can be kind of like put into it. And that can be part of what makes it resonate with a wider audience. Yeah. And, and you know, nostalgia sells, you know, there's a, there's a reason why, you know, apart from the fact that they're extremely good, but like, I'm just going to use an example, like, you know, you know, Fleetwood Mac kids sell out the biggest stadium in the world in 10 seconds because because of what they've done in the past but actually it it, it you know and then 
And the reason why that is, is because like photos, music takes someone back to a particular moment in time, whether it's the first time someone heard someone or a club they used to go to or whatever they, you know, it could be a girlfriend, a boyfriend, it could be, you know, a situation of somewhere they lived, friends they used to know, friends they still know, you know, there's psychologically we're attached to our memories, whether we like it or not. And uh, things that we like will always, you know, resurface. So, uh, which is why those legacy bands and those legacy acts will always do well because mm -hmm. the music had so much impact culturally back in the day. And uh, I guess that's maybe one of the hardest things I would say for an artist now is that, you know, it's probably harder now to create that kind of impact because, you know, culturally we went through these phases musically. We've got, we've got less of those changes happening now. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, whether it's disco, the punk era, the new romantics from the eighties, you know, the rock movement and the, you know, the kind of like the anti, you know, the Bob Dylan's of the world, you know, they're all their time and it's very hard to, you know, it's been done. It's very hard to redo that. Right. And obviously it'll have to, you know, you can't redo it. it it'll have to be something new. Um, and I guess we've had that to a degree. We had kind of like the whole sort of emo thing and there was certain things that we've had. And it's a little bit like social media and the way that's kind of like evolving and, you know, TikTok exploding over the last few years. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a little bit like that. So it'd be interesting to see whether there's these new cultural shifts in music or, or it might be that we've just done it all and they're just minor. You know, it's just bands uh, or artists that's just sticking their head. They're just doing something unique that everyone goes, oh, they're just super talented. And that's enough to, obviously there's always going to be really cool, talented people, but is there going to be that kind of momentous, really kind of, do you know what I mean? Cultural, oh, right. Okay. You know, someone's created a new sort of culture. It's a little bit like in film, you know, Tarantino kind of made his own kind of genre and, you know, and, and so did Guy Ritchie with Lockstock and, you know, that kind of cool gangster style British thing and Tarantino got, has got his thing, you know, look, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a, you know, some, someone else in the future that someone might say, you know, he, he, he's gone one step further than what Tarantino's touches a bit Tarantino there, but there's touches there of something else or Scorsese and. You know, I know I'm going into film land, but you get the point I'm making, you know, it's harder now because a lot of stuff has obviously already been done. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting question because, you know, when you kind of look at the grand scope of things, the amount of time that we've even had television as like a human species has been relatively so small. So when you think about it, you're right. Like, you know, it's been a very short time and we've told a lot of stories and we've created a lot of things. I have to imagine that creativity isn't like limited in a sense where we're ever going to kind of like, like, all right, like, well, we got everything, but you know, like it is a relatively short amount of time that we've had these, this type of media. And there's, you know, there's, we're certainly telling a lot of the stories and it, it, it's kind of what comes to mind is writing a song. It's like, well, everything is like a love song, right? It's like, how many times can you sing a love song? And then people still seem to find some way to, you know, to turn it around. But one thing I would love to get your take on, 
is as you started talking about like the future, like, is there another cultural movement or something or what does that look like kind of moving forward for, for music and how it could evolve? Something that comes that's top of mind for me right now is at the time of recording this, there was a new release from OpenAI and it's called ChatGPT just a few days ago. And this AI tool is like, it's a little bit scary how how good it is. And you can have a full conversation and it can write code very, very well. And it's basically in the past week, it's like all the developer community is talking about is like this this chat.openai.com. And I've personally been using it to like to write marketing copy. And it's basically spit out like very articulate, like amazing copy. Like in terms of like a first draft, it's like, I'm not going to do anything now except go to this for my first draft to like write everything. And, and also I'm sure it has like musical applications for writing lyrics probably. And I kind of wonder if like, how is the oncoming tidal wave of AI going to affect our role as music creators and yeah yeah i mean i know that there's a i think there's a japanese or it's either japanese chinese or it's korean that there's a, there's an asian ai artist that that sold that sold you know or supports some sort of traction and stuff i guess i guess If you asked a 10 year old their opinion on it, that's consuming music, you know, on, you know, Twitch or YouTube or whatever, they, they just wouldn't care at that age. They are literally on a level of, yeah, I like it or yeah, I don't like it. You know, they, they, they don't care about the morals of it. Now, obviously as you get older, you know, you, you know, mentally we evolve as humans. And, you know, hopefully you start making, <laughs> seems like more... not always. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, absolutely. <laughs> not, not always, but you know, and, and you start to, you know, you, you obviously, you know, and a lot of people are, you know, are passionate about specific things. And that's why more and more people, for example, becoming vegan because we're more conscious of, you know, you know, the environment and potential, you know, damage and all that sort of stuff. I'm not going to get too, you know, but you know what I'm saying? And people make more sort of informed decisions, or you'd like to think they do. And we're being more conscious of being, you know, good people, whatever that sort of looks like. So, so I guess, you know, people that traditionally support, you know, the art of being a musician and the creative process, then I think that then you will have support musicians and artists will have support and songwriters in the traditional form. Is there a place for an AI artist that's some sort of, you know, in the future? Probably yes. And I think that it will probably serve, you know, and there's bound to be a breakout, some sort of breakout artist, AI created artists that, that just, you know, like like the Cabbage Patch dolls were a massive hit in the eighties and people were fighting in the stores to get a Cabbage Patch at Christmas for their kid. It, it, it was a fad at the time. I'm not sure whether, you know, there's bound to be something that's going to happen that's globally going to blow up and be, be, be a big story. Do I see it as a threat to, you know, the wider grand scheme? I, I, you know, I, I don't, to be honest with you, because I think that, you know, it's, it's, it, it's, I think the wider audience will, 
will 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 not accept that because and, and the industry really. I mean, what's the what's the you know what is the point? It's like if you could get AI to draw a beautiful painting, would then all the painters go? Do you know what? Let's just you know, do you know what? Let's just give up. Let's, let's put down our brushes. Let's throw in the towel. No one can do it. It's perfect. Perfect is not art, is it? Let's be honest. You know, actually being too good and too clinical is not cool. You know, some of the best songwriters aren't necessarily, you know, that perform and sing aren't definitely aren't the best singers, you know, from a technical perspective because it's all about vibe and it's about style and it's about you know culturally being cool and connecting with people so i don't see that as a as a thing really so you know yeah cool yeah i appreciate you sharing that it's i I love this topic i think it's fascinating one one thing that's funny is there actually is an ai called dolly that you should you should go check out this this dolly and it, it's it's mind-blowing it's remarkable but basically you type in a prompt and it generates a painting or art or picture or visual based on the prompt that you enter and it does it in like striking ability it's it's a little bit freaky and and it's interesting because there is sort of that that element of well like it's not human or it's never going to be able to like fully encapsulate our human soul or our essence or our creative impulse and you know if you look at the past like 100 years or the past few million years of like human evolution and then like the past 100 years of like computer evolution it just feels like not just for musicians but just as a, a human species that like very soon we're going to have to come to term or figure out what we're going to do about AI or it's, it's just going to be so much more advanced and able to articulate itself. So it's, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. And as it relates to musicians and creators, I think you're right that, um, especially in the short term, I don't think this tool is going to be like, it's just going to replace everyone and everything where it's like, okay, well, you know, the AI can make music. So like, let's just go sit on a corner somewhere. (laughs) Like the AI will beg for us and play music on the street. But it seems like there's a, what I think is going to happen is there's going to be a an element like part of the process. We're going to be we're going to integrate with AI to create the first draft, maybe. So maybe you might have an idea for a song, and it might be like I want to write a song in the style of Ed Sheeran that like also references this, this, and this, and it's about this topic that I personally resonate with because I just went through this experience, and the hook is something about this generate, and then it's going to generate like a full track of music that is like pretty good. <laughs> That's like, it's like, this is actually a really good start. And then from there, really talented producers and sing- and songwriters will come together to kind of mold that into you know, well, something that is unique. Yeah, I mean, I think if, 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 it's, if it's coming from a perspective of like assisting someone's learning and how something is structured, then obviously, I mean, look, you know, in production music, in the in sense of, you know, the software, you know, with logic and, you know, you know, VST instruments, etc. They're obviously all digital. There's a huge amount of kind of like, you know, software that aids people and aids producers. And you can create, you know, so much within a computer already. And, uh, you know, there's software that helps people with chord structures and various other things. So, so there's, there's a lot of things that assist people 
already. I think, yeah, we're probably not far away or it's probably already there where you like, like you say, you set your parameters. I want something to sound like this, blah, blah, blah. And then bosh, there it goes. And then it refines from there. Um, but I guess, yeah, we'd have to wait and see. We have to wait and see how it all evolves. And then, and then it comes down to a kind of a judgment call of whether someone wants to, you know, be sort of semi, you know, be assisted in that way, or actually they want to learn, you know, the whole kind of structure of everything. So wait and see. Mm, totally. Yeah. And what, what analogy that came to mind as you're describing that too, is it's almost like you're kind of viewing AI as a tool, right? As a tool to help, to help your thoughts turn into music. Right. And so it's just, it's just a tool. Another quick, quick shout out to Neuralink. If, if for anyone who's listening to this right now, or if you haven't checked out Neuralink yet, it's a brain interface that Elon Musk is designing right now that basically the, in the short term is going to help people who are paraplegic be able to control limbs and be able to walk again and be able to, you know, control curse a, a computer device with their thoughts, which is amazing. But then like the longer term, you know, we could be walking around and be like Harry Potter world where, you know, any device that we have connected to Alexa, instead of saying Alexa, like turn the lights on, we could just think like, you know, lights on, lights off. And we'd be able to, you know, perform magic just with our, our thoughts. And that would be interesting how that could, you know, integrate with someone's, like, like, I want to imagine how I want the song to sound. And then it's just like this, you know, symphony like happens based on great thoughts would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, by the way, just quickly on that topic, you know, I, I've seen some great interactions with, uh, with, with, with some singers that are just kind of that they're, they're, they're there, you know, Jamiroquai is quite like this, where he'd be working with, with, a, with a guy on the keys or he's got some, and he's like, but, but, you know, and they'll be, da, 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 you know, and, you know, and then they're like, they're, they're, they're listening and then they're, yeah, 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 no, up, up there and that, you know, and James Brown was a classic for doing this with his guys, with his musicians. It'd be like, no, 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 on the, you know, on the other, you know, on the off beat, mm. on this and that, and, you know, mm. almost like, you know, it's like that director, the conductor. So, you know, a lot of talented people that can't play, it's all in here. And actually mm -hmm. they can kind of verbalize the little riffs that they might be feeling. And mm -hmm. then it's translated out to the musicians and then they're like, you know, they're obviously playing it. So mm -hmm. that would obviously be on another level if you could just think it and it could come out. You know, and all of a sudden, like, yeah, I'm hearing these strings and you're thinking, and then this, you know, there's this big orchestra playing. That's, that's such a good example. You know, the conductor and, and how, yeah, I really think like pretty much anything that's man-made around us, you know, it started out as an idea, like it started as a thought. And then there was a period of time and energy and effort that kind of took it from point A to, to point B. And the, you know, the, the purpose of technology is basically to shorten the gap. Right. So what used to be the idea, I want to go around the entire world would take an entire lifetime. And now we have technology and airplanes that have kind of shortened the gap where you can go around the entire world in a matter of hours. And it seems like there's kind of that shrinking, like technology and entrepreneurship is about closing the gap between frustration or problem or, or challenge or need and solution. And this like point B and certainly like fascinating to think about what would happen if we kind of close the gap completely so there is no no gap between think like i creating imagining a song and it just happens in real time as, you, as you're doing it i think a lot of musicians can relate with this idea of like you know when they're when they're creating music they're not thinking about like which way are my fingers going to move on the piano or like you know they've kind of gone through that practice phase where they can just sort of channel this you know force going through them that's just sort of like a creative energy 
that they're tapped into or that they're plugged into, but they don't have to think about. It just sort of happens through them. And yeah, it would be interesting if we actually have this brain interface that can channel that in real time. Well, it would certainly help me with my ideas because I can't, you know, I'd love to be able to play an instrument properly. You know, I'd kind of, you know, I sort of started out on violin and then gave up really, you know, I was like, that's hard. And then, and then I can do a bit of keys, but I'd love to be able to play a guitar. Love to be able to play a piano correctly. And, you know, obviously there's still time, maybe. But uh, no, if, if it was out there, I'd definitely use it. That would be, be it. Super cool. Yeah. And potentially with this, you know, with the neural interface, you know, we could be able to communicate with each other more directly, you know, and be able yeah. to, with language, it's basically like we've created an ability to translate our thoughts to another human, but it's also pretty inefficient sometimes. Like, I think language is amazing. It's probably what makes humans like humans and, and our like being the dominant species on, on earth, but it's also really easy to misinterpret what people are saying and not understand it. We also can like think much faster than we can, we can speak or verbalize what we're saying, or we can, we don't necessarily communicate or articulate ourselves as well as, as we'd like to. So it does seem like there's a opportunity to directly, you know, interface and, and be able to communicate on a more direct level. Uh, which I know is really freaky to, 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 when I talk about this idea, sometimes we're like, I don't want anyone to read my thoughts and I want to be like, I, yeah, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to put something like this in my brain, but pretty, pretty crazy. Mm, absolutely. Cool. Well, anyways, John, I apologize for just, I went down a rabbit hole. I'm so no, excited no, I keep out about this stuff. Hopefully, uh, you know, people listening to this will find that interesting and other noise. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, this all is connected to, to music and it's something I, I really think in the next five to 10 years, like a lot of the things that we're talking about right now, the crazy stuff, you know, things are evolving so quickly yeah, that I think absolutely. that this is a serious yeah. conversation, but John, thank you so much for taking the time to come on here and share yeah. some of your insights and lessons from nearly 30 years of experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's not and obviously for just for, you know, obviously just a quick plug, obviously if anyone does is interested in what we do, they can go to musicgateway.com just google us and and obviously if you do want to uh you know we, we we're human we have you know we like to speak to people you can kind of get in contact with us or you can book a book a call with us you can obviously sign up to the platform so yeah we've got a great team and um, yeah we'd love to hear from you mm, awesome yeah and like always we'll put all the links in the show notes for for easy yeah. access and yeah, John's been great, great connecting with you yeah. and, and you know, talking about some, some things that are down, down to earth and also like geek it out about kind of big, big picture stuff. And so looking forward to staying connected and, and figuring out how we can collaborate and basically plug into your tools that you built to help connect artists with publish, publishing companies slash supervisors. Yeah. I think there's a huge opportunity there. So yeah. yeah, you guys, if you're listening to this right now, then you know, maybe you can look, look forward to something like that coming as an integration to the street team at some point. Wicked. Great. Cool. Thanks for having us, Michael. Cheers. Yeah! Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. Time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.